Psalm 1, verse 1. I'm going to read three verses of Scripture. And we are standing now in reverence to the reading of God's Word. We believe to revere the, the Word of the Lord. Psalm 1, the first Psalm, verses 1 through 3. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, those that disdain you those that minimize your matter in the earth. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. Say that with me. His fruit in his season. Now watch. His leaf also shall not wither. Watch it now. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We're preaching part two today. And thank you, Tony, for teaching Wednesday night. Amazing teaching Wednesday night. We're preaching part two of the blessing. And today our thought will be along the lines of this title, The School of Blessing. Look at someone next to you and tell them, The School of Blessing. When I used to play basketball, I would tell those guys I were playing against, you already know, don't you? I'm the bus driver, and I'm about to take you to school. <laughs> Tell your neighbor the Holy Ghost is about to take us to school today. Father, bless our time together. Thank you for your presence that we've already experienced in the lives that have been perpetually and eternally changed by your grace and glory. Give us the spirit of revelation today. Illuminate our thinking. Open the eyes of our understanding. Let us receive stuff today that can never be removed from us. We will serve you all the days of our life in gladness. Hallelujah. You have anointed us with the oil of gladness today. We have put on a garment of praise today. Thank you that every purpose is secure in you. Have your way in Jesus' name. Now, before you sit down, you know what we always do after we pray and read the word. We clap our hands to the Lord and give him praise. He's your Savior. Jesus is your Savior. Nudge your neighbor and tell him it's only in the building right now. You may be seated. Psalm 1 is an incredible psalm, the first psalm, written by an incredible man, David. I like the way the psalm reads because it tells us things that we should not do three times and then it tells us one thing we should do three do nots one do he tells us things to avoid number one is ungodly counsel the question is who is speaking into your ear avoid ungodly counsel then he says to avoid the influence of people who are in error or who are at odds with where you stand. Avoid the influence of people who are in error or who are at odds with where you stand, specifically in God. He says to avoid wrong thinking, faulty thinking. Avoid that. He 
says to avoid inaccurate perceptions about prosperity. Avoid that. Avoid inaccurate perceptions about prosperity. We said the idea of the blessing has nothing to do with the gospel of prosperity. It has nothing to do with that. Prosperity meaning only wealth. True prosperity is peace first. And prosperity second. That's true wealth in God. Hmm. The best version of you is the blessed version of you. The best version of you is the blessed version of you. It's very important that you understand that the blessing is a state of being. Not a state of possessing. It's a state of being. Hmm. When we meditate on and are molded by the word of God, according to the first psalm, we are planted. We are fruitful. We are enduring. And ultimately, we are prosperous. God is good, isn't he? Psalm 1. I told you I was going to preach to you today about the school of blessing. The school of blessing. School, an institution designed to allow and encourage students to learn. An institution that encourages and allows students to learn from supervisors and teachers. School. Did you know the original meaning of the word school had to do with leisure? When you think of leisure, you think of setting at ease. Isn't it amazing when you look at your kids today and they come home from school and they look wore out? They've been in school all day and they have four more hours of homework. It doesn't look like leisure. When you read the etymology of the word and you study it real good, it has to do with leisure for learning. Leisure, taking leisure for the purpose of of learning, a place for leisure time that is used for learning important life insights, not job skills, life insights, learning that helps you understand who you are and who you might become. It's strong. This week, I had the wonderful opportunity of going to San Antonio. Many of you know that in 1997, we started the largest charter school in the state of Texas. And at one time, we had seven campuses and 3,225 students. Those charter schools are still going on. I resigned my position as the president of that board long ago because of the connection between church and state, and the state was giving us fits. So I turned that vision over to some supervision. The school is still going and still is doing well. But this week, as I was in San Antonio, we had sold some property. And I wanted to go and see what the people were doing with the property, and I went there, and there's a charter school there. It's not called the School of Excellence in Education. It's called the Gathering Place. And I was so intrigued by a 35-year-old young man that he had such passion and vision for what he was doing. My original vision for education was challenged by the state as soon as we birthed the School of Excellence in Education because my vision was this. When you find the strength of a child, maximize that strength. My Bible tells me, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You have claimed that scripture over your children. And that scripture has been often misinterpreted. There's not a child born without a way in him. We are lazy and irresponsible that we have not found the way that God gave that child. It's not a matter of a way to heaven or hell. It's a matter of a way to success. Because God never created one person 
and not giving them the avenue to success because success means opportunity and opportunity is given to advance his kingdom. Many of you live vicariously through your children and you put the pressure on them to become something you never were. So you have them living out your dream and not their way. So my idea was by finding their strength and focusing on the strength, we should stop punishing them for weakness. And we should start rewarding them for strength. Well, the state didn't take to that too good. And the board was happy that I resigned my position because I kept emphasizing stop punishing the children for their weakness. You can't load a classroom up with 26 kids and expect them to learn at the same level. There's a reason some children excel in art and others excel in math. Hmm. When we always focus on weakness, we remind people of what they cannot do. But when we focus on strengths, we, we remind people of what they might do or what they are capable of doing. So this school, I walked on that campus, and I was so blown away because that is their concept. And I was impressed because it's a performing arts school. They're into nature, music, cooking. Now they have to learn all the basics. But their emphasis on where, is on where the child excels. I thank the Lord that he's always working on our potential. Some of you serve a God that you see as with a long gray beard and two lightning bolts out of his nostrils and a big rod in his hand, and he can't wait to punish you because you're not doing better. That's a sad representation of the father that loves you so very much that he sent his son to die for your sins. He believes in you. And this is a difficult paradigm shift for people to transition into because we've been taught religion as a hard task that we're barely saved every day if we can just lay down one night without saying a cuss word we're doing good hmm. how we educate is what we generate and what we generate is what we will perpetuate I hope you heard what I said. I'm going to say it one more time. How we educate is what we generate. And what we generate is what we perpetuate. Last week, we discussed the idea of conditioning. God conditioning his creation. I started thinking about that, and I thought, what are we battling in this generation? This is a generation that is being conditioned by social media. I watched a documentary the other night that literally shocked me. I got 35 minutes into it and had to turn it off because it was blowing my mind. I'm going to watch the rest of it. Oh, I'm determined to because it's 93 minutes long and I want to know it all. But I could only digest the first 30 minutes. <laughs> Some of the quotes that came from this documentary called The Social Dilemma was from men that founded certain organizations like Facebook, Twitter. I I'll just leave that there. Here's some of the quotes from these guys. If you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. If you are not paying for the product, then you are the product. It's the gradual, slight, imperceptible change in our own behavior and perception that is the product. What is the product? Changing you. Slowly, 
Social media is a drug. This is some quotes from these guys. Social, this is them talking. Social media is a drug that controls and manipulates you. There are two industries that call their customers users. One is the drug industry. And one is the social media industry or the software industry. They went on to say that social media is a marketplace that trades exclusively in human futures. You just missed the impact of that. Social media is a marketplace that trades exclusively in human futures. Have you ever heard the phrase, they're watching us? After you watch this, you're going to know they're watching you. And they've got a huge database about stuff you like looking at. And they lure you into a future that they have pre-planned for you. They are conditioning you every day. One of the guys said, I founded it, and I tried to break myself from it. And I left my phone outside of my office on purpose to, just to see if I could not look at it for two hours. And it kept dinging, and every time it would ding, my anxiety would go up. My heartbeat would get faster because I wanted to know if I was getting a like, if I was getting a heart, or if someone was sending me a message and what was the message they were sending. But I had to know. I lasted two hours and I celebrated that because that's the longest I've ever lasted. Hmm. And you look at your children all day long. And I look at myself all day long. It's an addiction. And these guys say that the addiction is worse than crack cocaine. What was the, what was the quote, Josh, about the difference in drugs and... Come, come, come on, say this in his microphone. The only difference between social media and cigarettes is they'll both kill you, but only one will change you. Strong. Everybody okay? Hi. Welcome to church. So the question is, yeah, there you go. Get on the bus. The question is, how do we combat this? How do we combat it? Do we combat it by taking smart devices from our spouses and our children and hiding them? No, because as soon as you give it back to them, they're going to start over. Teaching is to educate effectively. Not just educate, but educate how? Or y'all, don't lose me, folks, please. Teaching is equivalent to educating through dialogue and demonstration. This is Jesus' practice. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Why would you teach your children stuff you don't do? I've learned that children do what you do more than do what you say. We live in an information society that pushes information on you faster than you can comprehend it. Here's another quote from one of these gentlemen. We were not created to receive information this fast. It's overwhelming to our brains. 
because we can't comprehend it at the speed it's coming to us. Huh. The only thing, I wrote this this morning, the only thing more intriguing than what you are receiving through information is the revelation of the potential that is in you and you didn't know it. I'll say that again. The only thing more intriguing than the information that you are receiving is the revelation of the potential that is in you and you didn't know it. I am more interested in what I can become than what technology says I am. It's the difference that Paul talked about in Romans chapter 12 when he said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Folks, I hope you hear me. Conform means to wrap yourself around an object that already exists. It's easy to conform. But to be transformed, that's intrinsic. That has to come from inside of you. And for us to reach inside of you, it takes deliberate effort, time, and energy. The problem we have in our generation that we live in today is lazy parents. You trust the internet more than you should. Education, again, in its etymology, is not leading forth. It's leading out. Study it yourself. It's drawing out. It's drawing out what is already in there. You're educating someone when you show them the greatness that already exists inside of them. And you help them build that from the inside out. When you do that, they do not live by superficial facades that melt in heat. But they build fortitude by establishing a character that will not compromise its own convictions. I hope you're learning something so far. I said it like this. Proper education draws the best out of people. Not the worst. If you are learning what emphasizes the cursed nature and not the blessed, you have the wrong teachers. If you are learning, I'll say it again, from what emphasizes the cursed nature and not the blessed nature, you have the wrong teachers. It is our responsibility as leaders, if you're a father, husband, wife, mother, pastor, teacher, whatever you are, it is your responsibility to develop potential and to develop purpose perpetually in your pupils. That is your responsibility. If pastors would stop berating people, and start building people. Then you will have a congregation of faith that says we can do anything that we imagine ourselves to do because God is with us. And it's hard to stop a community that's full of faith. But when you continually berate, you build distrust and unfaithfulness because nobody wants to be disciplined all the time, listen, by someone who feels superior to them. This is called control. Hmm. Well, proper education develops the best potential in the worst cases. Proper education turns the light of understanding on. Not knowledge, understanding. It is helping people recognize they do better by being better. It's helping people recognize that they do better by being better. 
Last one. I wrote this this morning. The aim of education. Now, this, all this education stuff I'm talking to you about is Rick Hawkins' education. This is my perspective of education. I think education, the education in this system is jacked up from the floor up. It is, it is totally messed up. And you can't expect the best out of a generation that you do not educate properly. If you keep reminding them of how horrible they are, and you systematically categorize them in groups and tell them because you look like that and act like that, you have to stay over here with these people. And you remove from them the opportunity of exchange. Then you've limited them in who they've always been and they never discover who they can ultimately be. Shame on the education system. So all these things I'm telling you is stuff I put together when I was establishing our schools that the state shut down. I just believe it's almost diabolical that the government would not allow us to educate children like we see fit from Scripture to educate them. Because if we did, you would have the best artists in the world. You would have the best musicians in the world. You would have the hottest scientists ever born to mankind. And you know where they'd be coming from? The house of God. The aim, the aim of education should be to teach us not just what to think, but how to think. Did you hear me? The aim of education should not be this is what you should think, but this is how you should think. Blessed is the man. So I'll start thinking about learning. I've got 13 minutes and I'm going to get it done if I'm smart enough. I start thinking about learning. <clears throat> People learn in a lot of areas. I chose three. They learn by session. They learn by semester. And they learn by seasons. And I'll submit to you early on that the best learning you'll ever receive is the learn the learning that comes from experience more than education. That's why seasons will always trump semesters. If you repeat in the next season what you learned in the last season, you have not bettered yourself. We should learn from what we go through. And if you can't learn from your own experience, learn from someone else's. In other words, you say, I saw him do that. I'm not doing that. Are y'all bored? Okay. Say the blessing. A session. What is it? A session is sitting together, the sitting together of court or council for the purpose of conferring or conversing on law. Say the word law. That was in our scripture today. That was in our text today. On his law does he meditate both day and night, right? His delight is in the law. In Hebrew, this word in this passage literally means law, instruction or direction. Or you could say instructions for direction. But his delight is learning through instruction the direction for his life. That's why you should never impart to your children an attitude of disgust or, shall I say, unhappiness about going to the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord, I taught my kids their whole life, is the most fun place you can go to all week long. The house of the Lord should be something you enjoy, not endure. You shouldn't come to the house of the Lord saying, oh, my God, i got to sit here for an hour and a half. And if your children see it in you, then they're going to come and sit on the front row like this. They ain't seen your hands raised. They've not seen you praising and worshiping the Lord. Dialogue and demonstration. Hmm. Wow. The law is the precepts and the principles, right? 
His delight is in the precepts and the principles of God. And on that law does he meditate. He studies and he ponders. And I wrote this down. If we do not take time to sit and ponder his principles, we will likely miss the instructions and lose direction for our life. It's called a session. Law. The meditating on law. Here's the law for you. Genesis 8.22. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. That's a law. That's a law. It's never going to stop. It's going to get cold. It's going to get hot. It's going to get dark. It's going to get light. It's going to be summer. It's going to be winter. That's a law. Why frustrate yourself with try trying to change that? <laughs> Can we go deep just for a moment? Most people skip Romans chapter 7. Right? We don't like chapter 7. Because chapter 8 is all about all things work together for the good of those that love God. They called according to his purpose. We are more than conquerors through Christ who gives us strength. There is therefore now no condemnation, condemnation to those who walk in the spirit, not after the flesh. We love it. But chapter 7 talks about this law. Paul said, I find this law at work within the members of my body. That when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And the thing I want to do, I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do, I end up doing. And he calls it a what? Law. I promise you everyone in this building this week did something that you didn't want to do. And you didn't do something you really wanted to do. And we kill ourselves for it. We murder ourselves because of not how good we are. And Paul said, man, why don't you just get used to the rhythm of life? You know, see, so here go the religious people. You make it so hard on yourself because you're already debating me mentally. <laughs> you're having a battle with Pastor Rick. And you're saying, are you excusing? I didn't never use the word excuse. I just said it's a law. It's a law. I promise you tomorrow you're going to probably do something that you, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Have you ever gotten so mad at someone that you said something you didn't want to say and then later you said, man, if I had a chance to do it over, it's too late now. Are you ready for this? It's okay. You're all right. All right, quit killing yourself. That's what, I had a guy tell me one time, a preacher, he said, hey, Pastor Rick, you know why God gives forgiveness? I said, to forgive us. He said, yes, for you to use it. I said, bright idea. That's a bright idea that God can forgive us. No one in this room is perfect. The last time I checked, I didn't see any wings hanging over the back of any chairs. You didn't check your wings in at the door. Every one of us deal with this thing called the, the law of nature. And it battles us. You can reckon yourself dead all you want. But sometimes that old flesh is going to show up and slap you around a little bit. And you're going to go, man, I'm no good. Lift one hand and say, I'm all right. And when you lose the ability to ruminate on that nutrition... You're going to starve yourself to death trying to be right. It's a law. And you're okay. That was deep. Let's go deeper. Semesters. Blessed is the man. Lift one hand up and say that's me. Blessed is the man. <laughs> that walks not after the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Sit in the seat of the scornful. Semester. So a semester is a period of learning, usually about six months. Six is the number of man. The Lord spoke to me in prayer this morning and said, 2020 is my semester. 2020 is my semester for my people. 
It's not what do you know in 2020. It's what are you learning in 2020. No one wants to hear how much you know because of 2020. I want to know what are we learning because of 2020. Because we are in a semester. Learners in this season are going to be what? Leaders in the next season. Hmm. Everything God created, he said it was good. But when he created man on the sixth day, the semester, he said it's very good. What is man, Psalm 8, 4, that you are mindful of him? It means to be marked with a distinction. What is man that you would mark each one of them with a personal distinction? Boy, I hope you don't miss this here. What are we that God would mark each one of us with a personal distinction that makes us identifiable by the distinction he puts on us? Some of you need to get past trying to recognize God's blessing. And you need to get up to the revelation of God's blessing. God reveals to you who you are. It is a process of discovery. And he says to be mindful is the distinction, the distinction that makes you remembered by other people. Don't, don't miss that. So here's the question. What is it about you that people will remember or what is it about you that people do remember? Your distinction rests in your determination to develop the potential that God deposited inside of you. Many of you do not enjoy the undeniable distinction that God has placed on your life because you have refused to develop the potential he deposited in your life. So you would rather fit in than stand out. Potential is a powerful thing because it talks to us about your capacity. Maximize capacity used and exercised by your ability. Some of you are wondering why you're being pressed because God is stretching your capacity. Ask Giovanna. Everyone say the word potential. Now say this with me. My potential is my distinction. If I don't develop it, I look like everybody else. That is strong stuff, y'all. Here's the thing about potential. God gives it to you and leaves it alone. God gives you potential and walks off. God does not develop your potential. He deposits your potential. You are responsible to develop your potential. There's too many lazy Christians in church today. We want to walk around calling ourselves blessed and all that with cookies and chips and milk and dip. But we're not developing the potential that God has put inside of us. We treat God like he's a cosmic bellhop or a heavenly Santa Claus. That we're just supposed to sit there undeveloped in an undeveloped state and God's just pouring blessing on us. That is a fantasy, honey. That ain't real. You are responsible to develop your potential. And it's a wonderful thing to see people trying to be the best version of themselves they can possibly be because it tells me they're trying to develop their potential and expand their capacity. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Your future is not in front of you. Your future is inside of you. I'm going to say it again. Your future is not in front of you. Your future is inside of you. And when you start developing your potential, you will find that your circle of partners gets smaller and smaller. Because when you begin to expand your capacity, your capacity, your former companions want you to qualify in their eyes for what you are becoming. 
And when they see you expanding and increasing, they start stepping back and they start condescending to your growth. That is not time for you to persecute them or talk bad about them. That is the time that you bless those who persecute you. Are y'all with me? You just keep growing. Tell your neighbor, just keep growing and glowing. I'm almost done. One more point and I'm out. First word, session. Thank you, Kevin. Second word, semesters. Final word, seasons. Nod at your neighbor and tell them that this is the most important one right here. This, this is the most important one. Watch what it says. You shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. Now, let me already stop right there and tell you. The person you are sitting next to is most likely not in the same season you are in. So do not get frustrated with them when they do not celebrate your season. Are you hearing me? They don't understand where you are in your seasons. It's, somebody shout, it's my season. You didn't say it loud enough. Come on, my season. I'll bring forth my fruit. When? In my season. Everybody say, my fruit. My season. Ooh, I feel this thing here. Ooh, the word season is my time. But it has to do with a term and duration. The term and duration is what you pass through to get to where you are. Ooh. You can't skip the finals and get the graduation. Are you hearing me? You can't bypass the requirements and get the promotion. That's why all seasons don't look the same. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Now watch this. For anything to enjoy its season, it must first be planted. That went right over your head. Most people want the produce, but they don't want to plant. If you want to enjoy your season, you have to be planted. Brings forth his fruit in his season. He is planted in the house of the Lord. Planted by the rivers of living water. Whew. If you're going to enjoy your produce, you must go through other seasons to get to your season. How many of you know all seasons in life are not beautiful? When you go through, we're going into fall right now, and guess what's going to happen, Vicki? Everything's going to fall. Leaves are going to fall. They go, everything that's green and beautiful is going to be just ugly because it's fall. But here's what we know, that fall must happen before winter arrives. Winter must happen, talk to me, before spring gets here. Spring must happen before summer arrives. Don't mess up your summer by dying in your fall, by being so discouraged in fall that you miss the fun of spring. I don't know what season you're in. All right. He shall bring forth his fruit in his what? Season. And whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. Galatians 3, 9. And let us not be weary and well. For in due season we shall, if we what? What season? Due season. Due season is your season. There's not four seasons. There's five seasons. There's summer, winter, fall, spring, and yours. I came by to tell you, don't grow weary in winter because spring is coming. Don't faint because spring is coming. Three areas of learning for people, sessions, semesters, and seasons. Elisha walks into the house. I'll go quick. With his servant, this lady's taking care of us. Go ask her what she needs. Servant goes, looks, comes back, says, she don't have a baby. He said, go back and tell her. You read, read the Bible right in 2 Kings. Go back and tell her, by this season, next year, 
you're going to have a child in your arms. She's going to be so surprised that she's going to say, don't lie to me. Don't build my hope up to disappoint me. Woo, Lord have mercy. He didn't tell her the day. He told her the season. It's important for you to understand that you must discern the season. No man knows the hour. No man knows the day. But at least you can recognize the same season. By this season, next year, things are going to look different. Bump your neighbor and tell them, check me next year at the same time. Why? Because this season, next year, I'm going to have things I did not have in this season this year. Because God is about to bring me through the process. And I'm not going to grow weary and I'm not going to faint until the next season arrives. He made me a promise and I'm going to hold on to it. I came by to tell you, keep praying, keep fasting, keep giving, keep believing God. Keep doing what you know God told you to do. All you need is one more season like this season and everything you've been praying for. You're going to be carrying in your arms everything you've been believing for. You're going to be rocking in a rocking chair. Tell your neighbor, my season is coming. It might not be my season in 2020. And 2020 has robbed me. And 2020 has treated me bad. And 2020 has slowed me down. But check me in this season of 2021 because I'm going to be enjoying stuff in my season. Tell your neighbor the fight is fixed. Tell them the fight is fixed and God fixed it. God arranged the players. God made the movements. God gave moose motion and God brought the process and God shoved things around and God shifted stuff. He is setting me up for the greatest season of my life. Tell your neighbor, it's my season, not your season. So don't judge me by what I'm going through right now. Don't count me out by what you see right now because I've got an intention that I'm not going to stop worshiping. I'm not going to stop serving. I'm not going to stop praying until I get to where God promised me that I would receive. Tell your neighbor your season is in front of you. And he says that whatsoever the blessed man does, whatsoever, Pastor Jerry, the blessed man does, and whatsoever the blessed man does shall prosper. When I read that this morning, I heard the Holy Ghost say, blessed is the man that doeth. I heard the Holy Ghost say, I do not bless what you refuse to do. God blesses doers, not sitters. God blesses doers, not stale people. God blesses doers, not people who are unwilling to do anything. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about, he went about what? Doing. I just want to look at some people and say, what are you doing? God cannot bless that attitude. He's not going to bless that temper. What are you doing? Woo! And whatsoever he doeth. Come here, Isaiah, come here. Single file. Christian right behind you. I would use you ladies, but this is going to be physical. <laughs> prosper. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Do the Hebrew study. Here's the idea that what you are doing is moving you forward. The word prosper isn't about putting money in your pocket while you're doing it. Man, it doesn't mean that God will bless your pocketbook because of what you're doing. The word prosper here means to push through. And whatsoever he doeth will push through. Well, 
It don't need to push through unless it's got an obstacle. It don't need to push through unless it's got resistance. The moment you start doing what God called you to do, the first thing you should expect is not blessing, but opposition. Y'all ain't hearing me right there. The first thing you ought to expect when you start doing what God told you to do is not his blessing, but opposition from the enemy. The opposition should not cause you to reverse your progress. The opposition should remind you that you are going in the right direction. So I came by to tell you, God will bless what you are doing, and whatsoever you doeth shall prosper, which means the obstacle of doubt. It pushes through it. Every circumstance, it pushes through it until you get to the place God ordains you to be. Whatsoever he doeth has a push to it. The moment you stop doing is the moment you stop pushing. The moment you stop doing work on your marriage is when your marriage begins to fall apart. The moment you stop doing work for your purpose is when you forget why you exist. God doesn't bless people who sit around doing nothing. God is good. Well, I'm done. And I've enjoyed myself. Now, let me tell you something. Tell your neighbor, welcome to the school of blessing. And tell them this, if you haven't learned, you didn't want to learn. But if you learned something today, I double dog dare you to get up on your feet and give Jesus Christ the biggest praise we could possibly give him. Come on, you're blessed in the city. Bless in the field. Bless when you come and bless when you go. You are the head and not the tail. You are in front and not behind. The enemy is fighting you because he knows you are getting the revelation of being a blessed man. A blessed man says, bring the battle on. A blessed man says, bring the fight on. I'm ready for you. What language are you speaking? Stop speaking the curse language. A curse language says, I can't. I'm not capable. I'm not able. That's a curse language. Change your vocabulary. I'm blessed. And I can make it through anything. You can throw me up in the air, but I'm going to land on both my feet. And I'm going to keep pushing forward. And I'm going to arrive in my blessed season. God is good. Hallelujah. Lift those hands. Father, I pray that the people today have learned something that will help them. I hope this has been an educational service where they begin to see what's inside of them. There's greatness in them. There's potential in them. In all of us, you put it there. It's our responsibility to develop and walk in it. That is our purpose. Oh, Lord. I pray, God, that these people will feel your blessing right now. Come on, lift both of your hands real high. Lift both of your hands real high. Experience the blessing right now. Say this with me. I am blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I am blessed when I come and when I go. Now say this with me. Late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. He's going to work in my favor. If you believe it, give him praise right now. Amen.